0: Hello friends, this is Gary Novosel, founder of Raw Hawaii, and welcome to episode three of the Raw Hawaii podcast. Today I'm going to be covering uh, our frequently asked questions, and I picked uh, about the top nine or ten that we we routinely see uh, and answer both prior to starting on or transitioning to a raw diet, and what happens once you do. And, um, the, the what happens once you do is is probably equally as important because you're going to see some things that you haven't seen before and you need to make sure that you understand that uh, those are normal and what you may think is a bad thing occurring is actually a, a normal detoxification step or a, a normal part of that process. So <clears throat> the I guess the first thing to talk about is transitioning. Um, I'm, I'm going to assume you've, you've already done some research or you're, you're taking the giant leap of faith uh, based on somebody else's dog or what somebody at a pet store told you or that you've researched on the internet and you've decided to, to go raw. Uh, first, I applaud that. that. That's the right answer. Uh, and, and second, the transition methods are kind of as simple as a human transition, going from a junk food diet to, you know, a a healthy diet. One of the methods is a cold turkey switch, and literally it's one day I'm eating crap, the next day I'm eating healthy. And the other is a gradual transition over uh, anywhere from a 3 to a 30 day period. So you'll see varying opinions on the internet and on different sites Uh, The one that tends to have the least issues associated with it and the higher chance of success is the cold turkey switch, and here's why. A cold turkey switch uh, minimizes the, the amount of time where dry dog food and raw dog food interact in a dog's stomach and digestive system. The reason that that's important is dry dog food tends to contain large amounts of starches or carbohydrates compared to raw dog foods. So those starches in the very acidic stomach acid of the dog will ferment. And when they ferment, they will naturally come out with oils on the skin or through the dog's sweat glands so that uh, if you've ever given a dog a bath in some scented shampoo and then immediately after your dog smells like, you know, a nectarine peach wet stinky dog, um, that's from the food. Uh, and it's not something you can wash away from the outside. It's, it's coming from that starch that's fermenting and being passed out with the oils on their skin. That smell is constant and it's always gonna be there. And, and that's also why dogs have stinky gas. Uh, The fermentation uh, product has to go somewhere, and it's either going to be in the form of regurgitation or it's going to be in the form of gas. Um, So the way I do a cold turkey switch is for the evening meal, assuming I'm feeding twice a day, um, I'll cut the evening meal in half or I'll cut it down to about a quarter of the normal fed amount. And I do this for a couple reasons. Uh, One, because I know a lot of people suffer the guilt of thinking they're um, uh, starving their baby, which this helps alleviate that a little bit. And then uh, second, by minimizing the amount of food, it makes it easier and quicker to, to pass through the dog's digestive system or the cat's digestive system. Dogs and cats, their their digestive tract is about three feet long, give or take. Uh, a human's is roughly 30. So, uh, foods pass through a dog much more quickly than they would through a human digestive system. So, I know that by only feeding a, a small amount, that when I switch to raw the next morning, that pretty much the the stomach will already be empty. Now. The, the second part of that cold turkey switch is introducing the raw food to the dog. Anytime I'm introducing new foods, uh, I'm also gonna cause a change in the gut biome. I'm gonna cause a change in the physical good and bad bacteria mix that, that makes up the bacteria in the gut. So, for example, a dog on dry food is going to have the bacteria uh, Streptococcus, um, which we know in humans can cause strep throat. Uh, But in dogs, that is a normal chemical, or I'm sorry, a a normal um, bacteria that just exists in their gut biome. In a raw fed dog, that bacteria doesn't exist. It's replaced with numerous other uh, beneficial bacteria Um, that dramatically outnumber what you would see in a kibble-fed dog but so that next morning I'm gonna do kind of the same thing I did the night before I'm gonna feed uh, a quarter to half of the normal serving uh, that I would give my dog and then in the evening meal I can either increase it to the full amount that I would give my dog for that meal or I can still reduce it and, and keep it at about a half portion so in effect, I'm, um, or in other words, I'm, I'm simply for a, a day or two span reducing the amount of front end kibble load going in. And then I'm gradually increasing the, the raw food fed um, over a period of a day or two. So that's, that's considered a cold turkey switch. Um, takes about two days. The reason that that has, um, less risk with it, uh, is because I'm, I'm not mixing a high carbohydrate, um, high risk of, um, fermentation product along with a heavy protein at the same time. Um, you do that. Uh, that, that food is going to come out one end. It usually comes out the front and the dog will regurgitate it. So that's what we're trying to minimize. <clears throat> because we're also changing the gut biome, another thing that can happen is maybe for a day or two your dog might have diarrhea or slightly loose stool. That's normal. And it's normal in us too. If, if we have a A dramatic change in our diet, or you know, we you know go eat at a restaurant uh, with a cuisine that you know we haven't had for a year, you know, we we might get diarrhea too, Uh, and it's just because our immune system doesn't have the the active bacteria um, to or the probiotics to and antibodies to fight off. that uh, kind of unknown bacteria that I encountered in the food. It's not necessarily a bad bacteria, it's just my body's not familiar with it, I'm not eating it every day, therefore my immunity might be a little bit weak, so I might get queasy, uh, maybe nothing happens, more than likely nothing happens, but diarrhea is one of the things that if I transition from one dry to another dry, dry to canned, canned to raw, uh, raw to, to dry, diarrhea can occur so it's just a hey be aware if it happens it's probably going to happen once maybe twice and then that problem's going to go away so that that is the transition method um, along with that how often do you how often do I feed my dog well how often do you feed your dog now how often do you feed your cat um, a lot of people will free feed meaning they fill up the bowl and then when the bowl is empty and it may take a day or two, uh, especially if the dog doesn't like the food and they're they're merely eating it to survive, um, then starting to feed raw is gonna look very different for you. You're gonna go from um, several minutes to uh, maybe possibly multiple meals out of that same bowl of kibble to raw food in the bowl and if the food's not gone in 30 seconds something is horribly wrong your, your dog is going to destroy that food it's going to lick the bowl it's going to lick the ground it's going to walk away it's going to come back it's going to lick the bowl again you're going to think your dog is hungry uh, but in reality that that is a normal instinctive behavior um, so that's that's something new that you will see uh, feeding times And bowl cleanliness um, feeding times will drop down to the second that is completely normal Uh, polite dogs in a pack starve to death so dogs tend to be very aggressive uh, when they eat and they tend to tear and swallow so if it's a hunk of food in the bowl they're gonna try to pick it up and they're gonna try to swallow it whole don't be surprised when that happens Uh, but how often to feed if you're feeding twice a day now you're feeding once in the morning before you go to work once when you get home uh you just feed once a day at night uh whatever it is keep the same schedule um your dog already knows it they have you trained so um you might as well stick with something that the dog's familiar with that they, that way they won't you know be be bugging you uh for food continuously um you Now, how, how much to feed so if you look on the internet and you, you look at all the raw food calculators, most of them are, are going to recommend something in the 2 to 3% of the dog's body weight per day. So that is to say if you had a 100-pound dog, um, that, uh, that formula would say you feed between 2 and 3 pounds of food a day depending on the food that you feed. So th- this is why that two to 3% is a rule of thumb. Uh, it's, it's a very inaccurate rule of thumb. So our food, for example, we only sell in Hawaii. Sorry, I don't ship any place else. Um, we did six months of animal feeding trials and we determined that our food um, only required us to be at 1.25 to 1.5 percent of a dog's body weight to provide adequate nutritionary levels, because our food is so highly digestible. Uh, our food is roughly 96 percent digestible, uh, and I mean, we measured poop, we measured water intake. Trust me, um, six months of that, we we figured we figured it out, and it was because we have 95 um, percent of our food is whole animal and four percent is vegetable and one percent is made up of supplements so uh, your or at least our dogs um, you know we start off with about 1.5 percent so that same 100 pound dog would be eating a pound and a half a day and then over the course of a week we observe their stool and the the truth is in the poop Is is kind of I don't know. know, It's not my motto, but that's what we tell people: is the poop doesn't lie. Uh, If if you're seeing large amounts of poop, now uh, I have an eight pound uh, Tibetan spaniel. She's 18 and a half years old. Uh, She will literally eat about four ounces of food a day, which is enough of our food to feed about a 20 pound dog. And her poop is a ball slightly smaller than a dime, and it's usually one little pellet, and that's it, once per day. Uh, I have a a 90-pound uh, Cane Corso Mastiff. Um, he eats about a pound of food per day. Occasionally he'll get an egg and, you know, some coconut oil or organic apple cider vinegar in it, but... Um, his poop um, is usually about the size of maybe one or two golf balls and when they come out so once once he excretes them you can literally step on it and the poop will crush Um, as opposed to if you step on a a kibble-fed dog's poop it's gonna be on your shoe and you've just made a horrific mistake so um, with with raw fed foods yep you're gonna see most of the brands uh because they have lower amounts of protein are gonna say you need to feed um you know two to three percent um i always tell people watch your dogs poop if it's small if it's light brown or brown um and it 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 looks like, wow, that, that's it, and it doesn't have any odor to it, then you're doing the right thing. Uh, if it's coming out white and crumbly, that means what you're seeing is bone content uh, and a little bit of fat, but your, your dog is, is absorbing all of the food that's going in, and there's literally not enough um, to, to leave a little extra coming out uh, to kind of cushion the stool. So, you want to add just a little bit more food. And, and that little bit can be a tablespoon. It can be an extra egg. Um, so, that's, that's something that when you make a change to a diet and feeding amounts, you want to give it two or three days and, and see how your body, the, your dog or cat's uh, metabolism changes. And, and I did say that the poop wouldn't stink. Um, that's, at least for our food, true. Uh, Because there are no starches in it, you will find that a raw, fed dog or cat's stool has no odor to it. And uh, it also makes a a great fertilizer. So, uh, okay. Um, So I had a question. How come I'm not smelling my dog's farts anymore? Well, we kind of covered that. Um, because dogs aren't consuming a starch, uh, there's nothing fermenting in their stomach, There, there is no gas pressure buildup, therefore there are no stinky farts anymore. So I guess one of the disadvantages of putting a dog on raw is if, if there is a fart smell in a house, you can't blame the dog anymore. Um, raw, raw food eliminates, uh, eliminates that. Um, talked about digestibility, uh, that's, that's the other thing that you want to be aware of when you look at, uh, the back of the ingredients list on a bag of, of raw, uh, dog food, because as we talked about in an earlier episode, uh, the food can be truly raw, meaning raw, unprocessed, not high pressure pasteurized, not cooked, no preservatives, um, there's uh, a food that you'll see in in the pet food aisle that it's in its own little refrigerator um, and it's got like a four or five month shelf life trust me when I tell you that there's no way you can put chicken in in a tube or in a little can and keep it in the refrigerator for six months and have that chicken still be good without a massive amount of preservatives so if That's not the kind of raw that I'm talking about. Uh, I'm talking about uh, raw that has been uh, frozen raw, uh, prepared fresh raw, you've made it at home, or uh, potentially freeze dried. So the way that you want to know how whole that food is, is by looking at the ingredients on the back. Uh, You also want to look for a, a statement that says um, this food meets the AFCO guidelines and nutritional profiles for dogs for all life stages uh, or something close to that. Uh, That means that that food has been formulated uh, to give the dog all of the nutrition that they need. Uh, You don't need to add anything with one caveat. If you're looking at the list of ingredients on the back of the bag and you see, you know, beef and chicken and um, let's see, uh, beef heart, beef liver, finely ground bones. Uh, you see some vegetables, and then you see this long list of added vitamins and minerals and chemicals and things that you're not sure what they are. More than likely, that food has been high pressure pasteurized or it's it's been cooked. So. Just because those vitamins are on the back of that label does not mean that they're bioavailable or digestible to your dog. So be aware of that. What you want to see is you want to see a list of whole foods. Um, You want to see a list of organ meat. You want to see vegetables, uh, whether they're fermented vegetables or juiced vegetables or regular vegetables, um, preferably organic and for the meats as well, preferably organic or grass-fed, grass-finished in the case of beef or wild in the case of uh, game animals. Um, you might see kelp powder or coconut oil or fish oil or, or other things. Um, but you want that list to be pretty short. You wanna be able to pronounce everything that's in there and you don't wanna have to look something up in a dictionary. Um, if, if you've gotta do any of those things, um, then that's probably not something uh, that you want to give your dog. So uh, that's that's my rule of thumb for figuring out um, which is is the higher quality food. Also, that ingredients list that's on the back, um, and and this is this is also true for kibble. Um, but that those ingredients lists are based on the wet weight of the ingredients before any processing occurs. So when I'm looking at a bag of kibble and it says beef and beef liver and then oatmeal and then quinoa and then peas, uh, whatever, that's on the wet weight of the ingredients. Now once it's cooked, wheat or oatmeal or quinoa they're not gonna lose very much water weight, right? Their weight's gonna stay the same. But that beef and that liver, that's gonna lose probably 70 to 80% of its water weight. So while before cooked, it was the number one ingredient, after it's cooked, it's it's really by weight, probably the sixth or seventh or eighth ingredient in the list. So when you see that, don't assume you're feeding your dog beef first by weight. What you're actually feeding your dog is starches first by weight and then somewhere down on the list, uh, beef and the organ meat happens to, to pop up. Um, and and that's that's one of the uh, marketing tactics of the dry dog food companies is they know that people don't know that. so. Now you do, and, and you're armed, and you can tell your friends that. Uh, treats. Um, treats can also affect uh, diet and allergies, and I, I bust customers uh, all, all the time who will, you know, I'll, I'll see their dog, or, you know, they'll send a picture and say, my dog broke out in a rash, and my first question is always, what else is your dog eating? Um, If they tell me nothing I know that they're probably lying to me because the the symptoms that are associated with with dog and cat allergies so that's uh, itching, scratching, shedding, hot spots, rashes, um, stinky poop, stinky ears um, and I'll I'll talk about later in in a different um, episode the ear funguses and how one is grown from uh, brown starches and one comes from white starches, um, bad breath, um, dull coat, uh, licking and chewing the feet or, or chewing uh, their their forepaws, the front top part of their paws, um, all of those are, are symptoms of of dog allergies, and all of those are because of the starches that are in the food. So, when we have a dog who's been eating our food for a long time, and all of a sudden they break out in in a rash, it's usually because they've introduced the owners have introduced a treat, or the dog you know was on a walk and ate some cat poop, or ate the cat food, got a hold of some starch. Uh, the way to avoid the problem with treats is you want to look for single ingredient treats, right? Um, treats like sweet potato and bacon, well, sweet potatoes are starch, so that's not going to work out for you. Um, but if you look for um, dehydrated beef liver, or you know, air dried beef heart, or uh, chicken feet, um, then that those are probably going to be your your best choices Uh, how do you tell if it's a single ingredient treat well you turn it over you look on the ingredients and they should have one thing listed simple um beef heart beef liver you know turkey wing whatever the other thing you need to be aware of is starches can be hidden really really well Feedlot animals, animals that are raised on feedlots, are uh, engineered to be grown very quickly, put on a lot of weight fast, and be sold um, to, to make the most money from the animal. Um, you know, grass pasture raised birds, free range chickens, compared to their, their feedlot cousins. Uh, are tiny you know the feedlot birds are usually two and a half times the size why it's because they eat corn corn is the the predominant number two feed corn is is the predominant ingredient in their diet it is mainly starch and it causes massive weight gain uh, in those birds and massive fat buildup in those birds that starch when the chicken processes it or the cow is processing it uh, it it turns it, it actually stores corn starch um, in the bl- in the muscle tissue of the animals. So when I when somebody will say, well, my my dog is allergic to chicken. Well, chickens all proteins are hypoallergenic. Uh, so your your dog really can't be allergic to chicken or beef. But what they can be allergic to is ch- is chicken or beef that ate corn, because they are, the, the dog or cat, is experiencing the byproduct of eating that corn, which is the starches that are built up in the muscle tissue of the feed animal. So, you know, know your sources, right? That's why grass-fed, grass-finished beef is superior over beef. That's why organic, free-range chicken, uh, or non-feed augmented, um, on certified, sustainably farmed and raised uh, farms, uh, that's what you want to look for. Um, it's getting really tough to find. So, um, even with uh, farm-raised salmon, right? They're they're fed corn too. So you just you have to be aware of the source, and and hopefully your raw pet food manufacturer is is transparent about it. So. Beyond those things um, What are you going to see and when are you going to see it from the transition? So from the time I make a transition the first comment that we hear back from our customers is Oh my god, my my dog has so much more energy Um, typically it's the um, You got your puppy back Um, no longer are they? eating, you know, taking a two-hour nap, lounging around, or, or barely able to walk, you know, two blocks down the street, now they've got tons of energy. And it's because their body is not trying to spend all of this energy uh, hopelessly trying to digest this starch, which they, they physically can't. Uh, it's When it ferments, it converts into malts, and their body is not designed to excrete enough amylase from their pancreas um, to, to digest that amount of starch, and their gut biome is not built around starch, that, that massive load of starch introduction. So uh, literally it causes their pancreas to overexcrete its hormones, uh, burn off B vitamins, um, causes insulin production which drops their blood sugar because the pancreas is trying to guess what this stuff is and as an end effect of that they burn off all their blood glucose, so they're exhausted. So they've got to lay down and, and take a nap pretty shortly after they eat. And, and they literally barely have enough energy to kind of make it through the day. So um, my little 18 and a half year old, you know, Tibetan, um, she sees Lee, she's going for a walk. I mean, she's, she's still up and kicking, but we've, we have customers with dogs that just have said, you know, thank you for giving my puppy back. Um, but that's usually the first thing. Um, the second thing is the smaller poop. Uh, you know, people will will say, "I think my dog's constipated." Well, why do you think that? Well, I haven't I haven't seen them poop. Well, maybe they did poop, but you're looking for these big piles of poop. Maybe it was just one little ball that kind of popped out. and It looks like a rock in your driveway. Um, you know, pay a little bit more attention. Or maybe your dog's only pooping every other day now because they're absorbing all the food so the the size of the stool and the smell of the stool goes away um, the more and more your dog detoxes um, hair regrowth so hair regrowth is something that happens relatively quickly and and the subsequent change in the texture of the coat um, and shedding um, much less shedding much more luxurious coat. And then places like uh, on the muzzle where dogs' muzzles usually turn gray, uh, you'll see um, that fresh hair start to grow in. uh, Bare spots, you'll see hair start to grow in in there. Uh, On male dogs, stud tail, which is at at the base of their tail, right on the top of their uh, hindquarters, sometimes that gets bare uh, from excess testosterone. Um, you'll see hair regrowth there, um, but yeah, their their coat over the course of a month will turn into you know like a, a su- Pantene supermodel commercial. Hoping I get sued by Pantene, but um, yeah, that that's what their hair is going to look like. So um, that's something that you'll see. Licking and chewing of their feet, scratching of the ears. Um, you're still going to have to wipe out their ears. For a period of time to get the dirt out, but one of the things you'll notice that as the month progresses, um, the the stink that comes along with that dirt um, is going to go away. If if you um, find yourself rubbing or scratching inside your dog's ears um, and smell your finger uh, or smell the paper towel, um, you'll find that you know after a while it, it just it just smells like warm wax um, it doesn't stink like it did before and neither is your dog so we recommend during the transition period of the first month you know yeah give, give your dog a bath after a couple weeks uh, because you still are going to have some you know skin toxins and some stink and some loose hair you need to get off but um, you know for most dogs who are on a raw diet going two or three months uh, between getting baths uh, especially if they're uh, mainly indoor dogs that just go on neighborhood walks, uh, that's, that's not uncommon at all. Um, it's, it's actually more harmful to give them the bath and strip the oils off their skin and off their fur uh, than it is to, to let their bodies do the job of, of keeping their skin and, and hair clean themselves. Um, but if your dog is anything like mine and likes to find the freshest pile of poop and roll in it, then you're, you know, you're probably going to have to give your dog a bath. That one I can't help you with. Um, and then I guess finally, and this is, uh, I think what freaks out dog owners, uh, the most is they'll get to the point where they think their dog is too skinny. Uh, I can see my dog's ribs. Uh, Oh my God, my dog has lost so much weight. Oh my God, my dog doesn't have a stomach anymore. Well, see, those are good things because what you're used to comparing your dog to is other fat, kibble-fed dogs with no energy. So if if you take before and after pictures so before you start a raw diet if you take a top-down picture you take a side face picture and then you take a side body profile picture and then every two weeks take that exact set of pictures and compare them what you'll see is that your dog's front quads Rear leg muscles and its neck have gotten super muscular, and this is especially cute in Chihuahuas because they already think they're badasses all by themselves. So imagine one who's really, really buff. Um, but you, you'll see, just it, it'll look like endurance runner back legs. They'll, the muscles will be so well defined, and their their front. Quads and their chest and their neck will will easily, you know, be you know a couple inches more than what it used to be, and you'll see well-defined cut muscles. Um, vets will uh, also tell you that your dog is probably underweight because it can see the ribs, but your your vet is uh, has been. Uh, prejudice because all your vet typically ever sees is sick fat overweight dogs so by comparison your vet's looking at a triathlete or or an endurance athlete and comparing it to everybody else on the planet and you effectively have a dog that's in perfect physical shape and everybody else is telling you your dog's too skinny so i i politely ignore them uh, and then when i get a good shot a good picture of you know a dog's leg muscles or their front quad muscles or i just show them the before and after pictures um, that usually shuts them up and then they want to know what i'm doing with my dogs so uh, those are basically the the top 10 or so things uh, that we hear uh, or the questions that we get i really hope this has been helpful uh, if if there are topics that you'd like me to cover, um, you can send an email to us, uh, info at rawdoghawaii r a w d o g h a w a i i dot com info at rawdoghawaii dot uh, Shoot your questions to us, and I will um, schedule them to be answered in future podcasts. But for now, thanks again from uh, the, the beautiful state of Hawaii. Uh, love you guys. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.